Podcast One. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, if MI3 is ever going to get close to a panel lineup we could call Epic, this one's about as close as we'll get. And no surprise, it takes a mammoth battle between government and big tech to get there. We've heard and debated much in recent months about the polarising punch-up between the federal government and the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission versus big tech on a media bargaining code. But we're not going there. There was another ACCC investigation as part of its broader digital services inquiry, which has garnered far less mainstream interest, but potentially has very big consequences for brands, marketers, agencies, and the entire programmatic media supply chain. It's called the Digital Advertising Services Inquiry. Now, the ACCC, you probably know, released its interim interim report uh, a couple of weeks back on this. We're going to dig into it because apart from many thinking media agencies and the ad tech industry dodged a bullet on an imminent threat of regulatory intervention around the behaviour of agencies and ad tech players, the ACCC has floated at least six proposals that could still unleash material change on how circa $10 billion in digital media in Australia is traded. So with us today to unpack this hugely important and massively sexy subject, sorry to those looking for a sugar hit, sugar hit is a stellar lineup of big industry brains for this two-part series. First up, welcome to Joshua Lowcock, beaming in from New York. Joshua is an Australian expat, Chief Digital and Innovation Officer and Global Brand Safety Officer at UM in the US. He's also a non-executive director of several listed ASX companies. Joining Joshua in Australia is Megan Brownlow, former PwC partner and Media Federation of Australia board member. Dan Stinton, MD, Managing Director, that is, of The Guardian Australia. Gail Roy, CEO of the IEB. And Christian Kroon, Chief Investment Officer at Omnicom Media Group. Now, welcome to you all. And where do we start? I reckon let's go offshore first. So to, to Joshua, welcome. Let's recap a few things with you uh, way over there in New York. Last October, you did an MI3 podcast in which one of your biggest concerns around the rising appetite for intervention by governments and competition regulators on big tech was not so much about media and advertising, but data monopolies. In fact, a quote of yours that still rings for me uh, from that MI3 podcast went something like this, and I quote you, Joshua, if the status quo remains, we will all end up working for a subsidiary or a, or part of one of the major monopoly organisations. Now, I read that to be Google, Facebook, Amazon, or even Apple. Uh, but Joshua, what's your early picture read on the ACCC's interim report from its digital advertising services inquiry? Is the data ownership and control issue getting the attention you think it needs? And welcome. I have no idea what time it is over there. Uh, thanks, Paul. Look, I think there's a couple of things that stand out for me. The digital advertising services inquiry of the six proposals, it's heartening to see that the first two mention data. So you've got proposal one, I think, is something along the lines of data portability. And proposal two is the data separation. Uh, and as you read through all their proposals, I think the logic flow makes sense and the way they take it from data to the way it works in the media supply chain to attribution is good. The two big watchouts for me is proposal one, data portability. That phrase is actually being co-opted by platforms to be taken from a user perspective and about how users can download their data and move from one platform to another. And I know that's not the spirit and the intent of the ACCC, you know, 
first proposal, but it's just a, a concern or a watch out for me because it's easy to misinterpret that or for platforms to change the way that conversation goes. So, so just to be clear, Joshua, the data, data portability, you're talking that the, the platforms are talking it from consumer, you're talking it from an industry an, an industry player. An industry player perspective and how the data is used. And I think that's the ACCC's intent, but it's very easy to sort of shift that and go, well, if people can move their data from one service to another, then doesn't that mean that advertising could move from one service and another? And we know that because of the way network effects work, that people moving their data from one platform just doesn't work that way. I think the other one for me is the privacy aspect. It's not explicitly called out in the proposal, but it's sort of weaved throughout the document. There's a great phrase uh, that the ACCC uses. They talk about the tension and they use uh, real or claimed. I'm air quoting that, whether that's real or claimed. That's something that regulators in the US have struggled with as well. It came up in the Texas Attorney General's complaint against Google. I think if you park all of this and you look at, and this is where I'm going to take us in a slightly different direction, if you look at what the Australian Attorney General is doing with the Privacy Act review, which the ACCC does acknowledge, I think we need to actually bridge the ACCC work with what the Attorney General is doing with the Privacy Act review, because you can't let privacy be the veil to prevent regulatory reform and competition reform. And so my take is, yes, the ACCC is heading in the right direction. I'm optimistic, but I need to see what the uh, Attorney General does and whether we can actually bridge these two work streams to actually get to some meaningful outcome. Okay, just to recap your big picture views on data, Joshua, is that why is data the, the central issue for you, less so media, less so ad tech, less so advertising and so forth? Data is what you think is the central biggest competition issue going? Because data is what essentially builds the moats for platforms. The more data you have, the more it informs the way, and I'm sure Christian will talk about this, the more it informs the way we think about media planning and buying, the more it actually impacts attribution and performance measurement, and then it becomes a virtuous circle that feeds on itself. So platforms that don't have that scale of data struggle to compete in the ecosystem. Got it. Dan Stinton, we'll get your views on data in a second as well, but um, did agencies, uh, as a publisher, uh, as, a, as, a, as a high profile publisher, did agencies dodge a regulatory bullet? Some publishers have privately said to me, they're surprised the ACCC didn't uncover any bodies inside the agency business and how they deal with digital media owners. Uh, and for the record, MI3's poll last week saw 48% of our readers say agencies did dodge a bullet quote, for sure, and another 39% said it wasn't over yet. But your take, Dan, on your initial sense of the um, preliminary report. Uh, well, firstly, I'll deal with that, that issue that you just mentioned there, Paul, and, and I think, you know, the question of whether agencies have dodged a bullet. Um, I mean, I think you have to be foolish to think that arbitrage and, and backdoor deals uh, don't still happen. I mean, I mean, clearly the industry is big enough that there, there, there would be some of these things still going on. But I think we do need to acknowledge the fact that the industry has has really spent the last uh, five years or so really cleaning all of this up. Uh, and I think there is now uh, enough competition, uh, certainly within the advertising um, or the ad agencies, if you like, that if an advertiser does their homework, they can find uh, an agency which is going to act um, transparently and, and with their interests at heart. Um, I think, though, um, what we have to re remember here is that this is still a really complicated industry and it's still uh, really difficult for advertisers to, to understand exactly where all their money is being spent. So I think we have to look at this in concert. I think, yes, uh, I think the ACCC was probably right to say that um, this is an issue but not an issue which can't be solved with um, agencies or advertisers, sorry, doing their homework. 
but we need more transparency in the industry broader in the advertising supply chain broadly. And with that increased transparency, this will only improve as time goes on. Coming back to your broader question, Paul, I think, um, look, the, the ACCC, I think, has done once again an amazing job of identifying some of the two main issues that exist within the advertising, um, digital advertising supply chain. And, and that is that, firstly, it's way too opaque. Um, and secondly, uh, Google are really dominant throughout it. Um, we've been on record uh, a lot of times in the past saying that the, the, the number one issue uh, to solving this problem is more transparency. And, and advertisers knowing where their money is spent. I think if that was to happen, uh, we'd see both um, more money flowing to publishers uh, and ultimately that would be good for advertisers too because uh, their campaigns would be more effective. Just a quick sense check, Dan. The the, the six proposals that we're going to cover later on uh, that the ACCC puts down um, in, in, its, in its preliminary report, will they address what you your concerns around transparency and opaqueness in the, in the supply chain? Oh, look, I think they start, they're certainly going in the right direction. Um, I, I would echo what Joshua said earlier, though, and that is that you do have a conflict here, right? You have um, uh, a report which is calling for more transparency uh, in the advertising supply chain, uh, but at the same time, that really risks um, infringing on the privacy of consumers. So it's really difficult, I think, to view this in isolation. I think that um, this report needs to be viewed at the same time as the Attorney-General's review of the privacy regulations in Australia because they are woefully inadequate. They are woefully inadequate um, for, uh, for you know, this digital world that we live in. Uh, just very quickly, Joshua, you've got a quick thought there. Yeah, a quick thought there, which is it's interesting because if you read the submissions that are available on the Privacy Act website for the review, the submissions from the platforms actually say to Australia to look at what's happened with GDPR and CCPA. And if you look at those regulations, they've actually strengthened the power of the incumbents. Right. So that's one of the other things to be mindful of in all of this. Don't make things worse. And we're going to come right round on that um, in a little bit later because it's, it's, it's a bang on observation. Megan Brownlow, um, welcome. It's been a little while. You were involved in the, uh, well, it's been a little while since we've talked, I should say, not since you've been um, massively active in the market. But And in speaking of, speaking of being active, you're involved in the MFA's ACCC submission, I imagine, Megan. Um, it's a good result for agencies. What stands out for you in the ACCC interim ad tech and agency report? Well, it was a good result because we had substance in the submission. They were real actions that we could point to you know, digital ad practices, our transparency framework, that was real stuff. So what stood out? Two things, both relating to agencies, so with my MFA hat on. Firstly, that the ACCC lived up to its remit. They're about assessing competition and they acknowledged that there's a high level of competition amongst media agencies. Now, anyone who works in agencies says amen to that. Second, yes. and this is a really good sign, they're taking a very cautious approach to imposing regulation. They're economists. So they know that regulation puts a handbrake on innovation. It raises the barriers to entry for new players. It's expensive to comply with regulation. As Josh says, it benefits incumbents. They have all their compliance and legal functions in place. And also, if you're a bit of a media historian nerd like I am, the history of media regulation in Australia is littered with unintended consequences of well-intentioned regulation. So the fact that the ACCC is 
taking this iterative approach, seeking lots of feedback from stakeholders is really positive. They're my takeaways. Great points. The, the points that um, everyone's made so far around data and privacy, uh, Megan, uh, you, you concur or you have a different view? No, data and privacy are absolutely critical to the whole story. And I think Gay, who's been ringing this bell for I don't know, probably as long as I've known her, decades about privacy, is absolutely right about that. And I know she's going to talk to us about that. Yeah, she has some big observations. Looking forward to those ones. Um, Okay, so before we get to gay and privacy and uh, her decades-old viewpoints, which makes her way older than she looks, is Christian Kroon, your assessment, OMG, uh, your group has hitched its britches, really, to the transparency chain for a number of years. The ACCC basically says advertisers uh, have conflict concerns for agencies, or so the ACCC does, but it's buyer beware and do your due diligence, right? So uh, your take, you, you, how's the bullet dodging over there, Christian? No bullets to dodge for us. We, we leaned in, so to speak. Uh, I suppose as long as we take it as the start of the conversation, not the end of the conversation. So ACCC asked questions that covered an enormous number of areas from opacity to what tech do you own to rebates free inventory incentives the view we took was they're pretty simple questions to answer and we answered all of them right and that's publicly available and we've given it to all our staff it's available to our clients we're more than happy to talk to anybody in the industry as we are today about our position on every single one of those questions the challenge is that when we talk about this area, we kind of put holding groups in one bucket as if they're one group. We're just not. Uh, one holding group doesn't seem to have answered any of the questions, certainly not publicly. Um, the other holding groups have answered a few of the questions in varying degrees of detail. Um, I would argue that none of them even tried to answer the majority of questions and some, if not all of them, avoided certain sections apart from us. So I'd say there's a big spread there. And if you're a client, you can go and see what your what your agency's ethos and perspective is on the ACCC inquiry, and you should do that, and then have a conversation and see if you're comfortable. Just to spice it up, um, we won't, won't we won't name names, Christian, of your rivals, but what sort of questions did others avoid? There are sections where you might find the Omnicom one talks in detail about. Um, having a transparent model in a programmatic supply chain. We talk about what happens with rebates. We talk about what can happen with incentives. We talk about the approach we take to clients and making sure they're always giving informed decisions back to us by the work we do with them. Um, so, uh, and then look, there's an awful lot to unpack in the others, or in some cases, not so much. Um, Go and have a read. I, I think is, is is my salient point there. <laughs> yes, I think I think there's the advice. Yes, I better go do that. And that's always been the challenge for advertisers. For advertisers, this information has never been very easy to find. I think that was the point Dan was making earlier. The ACCC asked some pointy questions. You can go and read what everyone has to say, or where they're very silent. Definitely so in some areas. And that just means as a client, you should pick it up and see what your level of comfort is around that subject, I think. Which is going back to ultimately, it was a bit of a side side uh, alley there, but it does come back to the fact that the ACCC says, do your due diligence, understand how the game works and what your, what your, your contractual uh, deals are with, with your partners, right? That's where you're headed? Uh, it does, but I also don't think it should be taken by agencies of any type, independent agencies, the new hold codes like S4 and Accenture. It's not an excuse for everyone to then go, well, you know, we can run opaque business models that make money on the side because the ACCC said buyer beware. It's incumbent on everyone who wants a sustainable, 
positive industry to really lean in and take the conversation forward not just go, yep, it's all on advertisers, because it's not. They should expect that their advertising agency is doing the right thing for them, adhering to contracts, uh, and, and doing the work that they've been employed to do. And again, the ACCC shines the light on that, and it's there for everyone to see. And so quickly before I get to Gay, is uh, your sense overall on uh, some of the issues we've already talked about around data and privacy and trying to get transparency? Does some of these recommendations or proposals we're going to discuss shortly tick the boxes for you? On first reading, yes. We see with the ACCC, you know, the interim reports tend to be quite broad, so we are waiting on the detail. There's a lot in the report that makes sense. I think there are some challenges around the first two points, as, as Josh and Dan have covered, that goes back to consumer privacy, and I think Gail talked to that. ACCC won't be unaware of that, so it'll be interesting to see how they try and manage that, um, that positioning. Um, so on first read... Yes, looks like they're heading very much in the right direction, and I'm interested to see what they uh, what they focus on over the next six months before they do the final report in August. I think you are of the view, Christian, that um, this report is we sh- that the industry shouldn't get too complacent. There still could be some teeth that sort of uh, are shown behind the gums from the ACCC, despite it looking like it's sort of swim- swimmingly okay at the moment. Yes. So if if we take a very current example, the, the mandatory code for publishers, which has led to Google sort of threatening to leave the country, when that was first floated by the ACCC 18 months ago, it was a voluntary code. And I remember all the, the press around that, that it was a, a know-nothing point, it wouldn't go anywhere, Google and Facebook were and all other platforms had completely dodged a bullet, to, to use your term, um, and it was disappointing the ACCC hadn't shown more teeth. You fast forward 18 months, I don't think anyone would apply that kind of commentary to where we stand today. So our view is it is early days, and the ACCC are, to Megan's point, economists and lawyers. They tend to get very pointy very quickly at the back end. Galeroy, uh, more to come, do you think? And a couple of other questions for you is that do you sense that there is some sort of escalation in this if it does, the industry doesn't do what it needs to do? First question. Second thing is, across your ad tech members, what's been the response uh, initially from this preliminary report? And welcome, Gay. The decades old, apparently. <laughs> Ancient, Gayleroy. Well, in terms of escalation, um, absolutely, we have to not be complacent and look what happens. There's a bit of a tighter time frame with this report, so very tight turnaround on submissions um, to the interim report and then final report due in August. So I guess there's, there's a tighter time frame for anything to, to, to go too, too big in that time frame. Um, Reactions from my members, as always with my my broad range of members, it's been mixed. Uh, But overall, there's been a lot of um, positive reaction to the understanding the ACCC have developed, you know, over the last few years. So well-written report, um, understanding that industry can address problems when needed, not necessarily all of them, you know, taking away the competition, but the actual um, operation of the industry We've seen with the agency side of things and we work very closely with them on digital lag practices, a lot of the global standards that are coming out. So I think that the nod in the report that a few of the proposals um, starts with industry solution rather than regulation is is fantastic. Um, And then absolutely, Paul, it's up to us to actually act on that. And if we don't, of course, it should, you know, something should be done about it. But um, for industry to solve is the best thing. It allows innovation, allows us to develop, grow, 
um, and change as we need to. Now you're you're quite um, uh, strong on this on the, on your viewpoints around what's coming uh, with privacy legislation. Go, just explain why that is so critical to everything that we're already working on and seeing come down the pipe. What what is why is it so pivotal? Yeah, and it's a complicated one because it's you know we've got in the report uh, reference to the common ID. Um, the ACCC do make a nod to privacy. Um, this report is quite, I guess, narrow in its scope in the types of inventory it's looking at. It's looking very much at programmatic, um, mostly sort of open side of um, the industry, whereas we've got changes coming with Apple. We've got global privacy regulation. So it's this real web of different tensions, let alone thinking about attribution and addressability on top of it. Um, the timing is interesting because if we're going to have a final report while the AG is still looking at the privacy review, you don't want to put things in place that then will have to be untangled later, later down the track. So um, the good thing in the report is the ACCC are working and reviewing some of the global um, work that's being done around the world. So hopefully having some policy that is consistent where it makes sense. So advertisers, publishers, ad tech agencies don't have to reinvent the wheel in, in every area. And you've also got consumers who are traveling the world, you know, constantly as they, as they surf. What is the risk uh, if these two investigations are parallel and don't cross over? What, what could industry face? I guess a inefficient system that has great expense in, in re, re-architecting something down the line. So. Um, most publishers, ad tech and agencies that I talk to um, are really taking the higher ground, so trying to meet whatever global standards they meet. So I guess if it, it, it went too liberal to, to, a, to a great extent, they'd probably be more likely to be more conservative anyway. Um, the tricky thing is then as an industry, we need to make sure that advertisers um, have got the tools to understand the impact of their spend. So, you know, there's obviously been a lot of work around with cookies going, with um, Apple changes, how we need to change attribution. Um, so you really can't separate those two, but I think we just have to be realistic, which, and I know you've talked about this on a lot of podcasts, that we're not going to have as clear signals from consumers across all types of inventory, um, even with the good intent of the ACCC saying that would obviously be the ideal point of view from a... Um, an assessment point of view. Joshua, what's the risk for you uh, with these parallel tracks on privacy and sort of competition? For me, I think it's, you know, the privacy stuff needs to be resolved in in advance of the ACCC decisions because I think they're going to inform each other. I think the other one is we'll fail to actually understand the separation of owned and operated platforms and owned and operated data. And so that's the big concern. You look at some of the core platforms and the privacy changes coming through they're not as adversely impacted because they both operate media and sit on vast mounds of data. The implications being there, they've got natural, already natural competitive advantage that's unassailable. Competitive advantage and reframing of the market's not actually going to disadvantage them. Right. And we're going to get to, in the next episode, various proposals to discuss them. But I just want to wind up in this particular episode around what we do. Everyone's mentioned the fact that uh, GDPR and California and so forth, those privacy regimes have benefited the incumbents despite the intent being to try and open and democratise it up a bit. Are we going to repeat 
the same thing in Australia as that we've seen in, in those jurisdictions? Or how do we avoid that uh, repeating the same sort of uh, getting to the same outcome? Joshua, you first. There's a couple of things that we need to sort of take into mind here, which is one, it's creative. I think Megan touched on it perfectly. There's creative definitions and interpretations and giant legal counsel teams at some of the major platforms. So they take creative interpretations and you've seen CCPA evolve into CPRA, but GDPR hasn't necessarily evolved at the same pace. So I think that's the first one, which is we've got to keep the regulations moving and understand that platforms will find interesting ways to circumvent the intent of the regulation. I must, uh, I must sort of uh, sort of make it clear for those that are not following GDPR as the EU's privacy regime when you hear us about CCPA and PR and so forth, that's California and the US, just to be, to be clear about, um, about that. Dan Stinton, the sense there about trying to shift some more competitive advantage or com- competition to publishers like you, um, how do you see Australia avoiding what's, what's happened uh, in Europe and in the US so far? Uh, I, mean, I think it is worth saying that um, what we could learn uh, from GDPR and CCPA um, are, are a whole podcast or two in, in their own right. But, yes. but I'll, I'll summarise if I can. I mean, I, th- look, I think the problem with, with the California regime and Europe's regime is that it puts all of the burden onto the consumer and onto consent. And in my view, that is a fundamental failing because what happens in those circumstances is two things. Consumers just get banner blindness and consent to everything without realising what they're consenting to. And ultimately, that just benefits, as, as Joshua has mentioned, that just benefits the bigger players, which have the largest properties and the largest audiences. What we need to do in Australia is we need to, and I know we're going to cover this in the next podcast episode, uh, Paul, but uh, in, in short, we need to put purpose limitations around what uh, data can be aggregated. So there needs to be limitations on, uh, for example, Google's ability to aggregate um, data they collect from um, surveillance of Gmail and using that to power their target advertising business. That's just one example of many we could give. I think that irrespective of consent, that should just be outlawed. I think it's an unreasonable thing for um, for consumers to to expect. Um, and then second to that, I think we should just there should be clear boundaries around um, what targeting is okay because I think there aren't harms in putting um, consumers into different segments for the purposes of target advertising. Uh, and therefore, I don't know why you have to require consent uh, for that in the first place. So I think that those boundaries are key to be able to implementing a, a privacy regime which works in Australia. And as Joshua mentioned, subsequently um, putting the right uh, policies in place to ensure that the ad tech supply chain operates efficiently as well. Megan, you've worked at the very top end of town. Is is it possible to do this, to, to avoid uh, the, the consequences of what Europe and, and what we're seeing in the US at the moment uh, around uh, consolidation more, uh, more consolidation in, in the market. Is it, is it possible to avoid it? Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's precedents all over the place. So just picking up Dan's point about limits on data aggregation, whether that's right or wrong, we see the same with uh, speed limits in cars. Porsches might be able to go 180 kilometres per hour, but they're not allowed to go beyond whatever the regulated speed limit is. So there are ways of applying uh, what's for the greater good via regulation that's understood. But I think it's always important to keep in mind that there are costs and not only costs in terms of innovation curbs, but also costs to consumers. And that 
point about banner blindness and just consenting to everything, I think, is one of those examples. So what do you think cost could end up uh, basically compromising or, or stalling what, what, what could happen because it's too, it's too much onus on industry? Because we heard Dan say the onus is too much on consumers for consent and it needs to sort of move to perhaps more industry responsibility. But again, uh, that cost equation, Megan, what's the danger there? Well, it depends how it's deployed. So if it's self-regulation... And uh, that's a positive because it encourages collaboration. So I point again to the digital ad practices. That was a collaborative effort between different parts of the value chain, the IAB, the MFA and the AANA. So those sorts of industry solutions have other positive benefits beyond just providing an adequate control that is for the greater good. I know what you're talking about in terms of the digital advertising practices um, and, and it's right and it gets there. A bit slow though, wasn't it? A bit late from industry. Yeah, probably, but you know, we've got it now. We've got it now. Stop complaining. I haven't yet. Wait till I start complaining. You haven't heard anything yet, Megan Brownlow. Christian Kroon, in terms of the avoiding the impacts of consolidation around data and, and, and so forth from the from Europe and the US uh, from a, an agency side, your take? I think ACCC is on the right track in that um, Google and Facebook are not the only um, custodians of large amounts of data. Um, they've then looked at the further through vertical integration that happens and, again, lots of other players in that space. Um, you've got emerging data players who are very much further upstream working with clients. So there's a, there's a really big ecosystem out there. And you can't just look at consumer data and the controls around that and not look at all the other gateways it goes through. And I think GDPR was a, a great start, um, was market leading when it was launched. Other countries have, have, and jurisdictions have followed. We have the benefit of building on that. And I think, again, the ACCC have, have not narrowed in on that point. They've gone quite broad, which is probably what you need to be doing to avoid those um, unintended consequences that Megan mentioned earlier. Well, dear uh, MI3 listener, that is the teaser for the next episode because the next episode will cover all of the proposals and, and what this fine panel lineup think the implications are for industry. So thank you all for joining on this bit and we'll be back for the next episode next week. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre, that's moi, in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button.